Well, uh, good morning. How you guys doing? Doing okay? Good. Good to see you this morning. Well, on uh, January 1st of this year, Suzanne DeShane found herself being booked into the uh, prison in the Lucas County uh, Prison in Toledo, Ohio. You see, earlier that morning, that morning about 6.20, Suzanne had gone through the drive-thru at McDonald's and had ordered uh, chicken McNuggets and several other dinner items. But when she pulled around to the window, they informed her that early in the morning they stopped serving dinner items and they only serve breakfast items. Suzanne went ballistic. She actually reached up into the drive-thru window and punched uh, Melissa uh, Fernandez, who was serving her. The, the manager on Tia Bartholomew saw what was happening, got in the midst of it, and they got in a tussle, her and Suzanne. They were finally separated. Then Suzanne punched the glass of the drive-thru window and sent glass flying everywhere. Her angry outburst resulted in spending some time in jail. Then we all know the story, right, earlier this year of Stephen Slater. He was the attendant, flight attendant for JetBlue, who uh, on the flight from September 29th from Pittsburgh to JFK, as they were landing in JFK, got into a tussle with a passenger because the passenger stood up while they were still taxiing and tried to get his bag out of the overhead compartment. Stephen told him he needed to sit down for his own safety. They exchanged some words, and then Stephen went to the uh, loudspeaker and uh, kind of continued the argument with some expletive towards that passenger. And then as they stopped at the gate, he uh, said, I've had it, I'm done, I'm out of here, opened the back door, the slide inflated, he slid away and went home. He was later arrested for his angry outburst. And then just last week, I saw on Fox News the story in Perland, Texas, of two coaches of two peewee football teams who got into an argument The series of events went something like this. There were two boys who started kind of wrestling around with each other after a play. The coach of one team grabbed one boy. And by the way, this coach was the son of the other boy. He grabbed one boy and threw him several feet. Now that boy happened to be the son of the other coach. And next thing you know, these two guys are going at it in the middle of the field. The result of their angry outburst was they were both permanently suspended from coaching. And both of their teams don't get to play in the playoffs even though they had earned the right to be there. Anger, when it is unleashed, often leaves a trail of devastation. In the situation of these two coaches, their angry outburst left a trail of young boys who don't get to play in the playoffs. And often the trail of devastation is far more destructive than that. It results in things like physical injury, broken relationships, jail, even death. Now, all of us probably have had some kind of angry outburst. We have said or done something that we wish we could undo or unsay. That was a great video, wasn't it, about our regrets? And the truth is, probably all of us could think of some things that we have done in anger that later we regretted. And we wish we could do that moment over. These uh, two coaches were interviewed on Fox News this week, or or one of them was interviewed on Fox News, and one of the questions that he was asked is, if you could relive that moment, would you do anything differently? The coach responded by saying, I wish that the sun could come up on that day all over again. There are a lot of things that happened that I regret. I wish I could do them over. Anger leaves a trail of devastation. 
Jesus addresses the idea of anger, this struggle with anger, when he was teaching his disciples what it looks like to really follow him. And for several weeks, we have been listening in as Jesus talks about what it looks like to really follow him as he teaches in what is often called the Sermon on the Mount. And we're in this series where we're looking at some very practical lessons or applications that Jesus teaches that can help us to have lives that look exactly like Jesus wants them to look like. Now, if you've missed a week or two, let me quickly review and kind of catch you up, and then we'll jump into what we want to talk about today. We began the very first week when Jesus invited Peter and Andrew and some other people to follow him. And when he invited them to become his followers, the first thing he said to them is, you've got you to drop your nets. In other words, there is some stuff in your life that you need to get rid of, that you need to leave behind if you're really going to follow me. And we've said that, I believe, somewhere along the line as we look through these eight weeks, that God is going to challenge all of us. That there are probably some nets in our lives that need to be dropped and left behind if we're really going to follow Jesus. In fact, we passed out some nets and there's some of the baskets back there if you don't have it. I hope you're carrying yours around and just thinking and listening to the Holy Spirit. Talk to you over the course of these couple of months because sometimes He's going to tell you that's a net that you need to drop. Then we also said that what it means when Jesus invited us to follow was that He wanted us to be so close to Him that we would literally get covered in the dust of His life. Our lives would begin to look exactly like Jesus wants them to look like. Then in the second week, we listened as Jesus sort of redefined for us what happiness is and how it is that in this life we can discover this sense of deep joy and peace and contentment. And last week, we listened in as Jesus talked very frankly about the whole issue of lust in our lives. Uh, These are tough issues, aren't they? And you know what? It doesn't get any easier today. Listen to to what Jesus teaches us about anger. We're in Matthew chapter 5, and I hope again you brought your Bible and you'll open it up there and uh, mark some of these things as we talk about it. I think it's okay to write in your Bible. Maybe that bothers you, and if if it does, that's okay. But take some notes right there, some things that you'll remember. Here's what Jesus says, Matthew chapter 5, verse 21, he starts. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Now that's no big surprise to us, is it? We can understand that. But Jesus goes on. Verse 22, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Jesus seems to to raise the bar. Or you know what really He does? He returns the bar to where God intended it to be in the first place. By saying to us that getting angry with someone is just as wrong as murdering someone. You see, the religious people of Jesus' day had taken God's law and they had turned it into really nothing more than a bunch of ritualistic rules to be followed. And 1,300 years earlier, when God had given the law, His intention was that it would change people's hearts and not just their outward actions. And so Jesus works here to sort of realign the the thinking of His listeners and really to realign our thinking to understand that God is just as concerned about the condition of our hearts as He is our outward actions. And so Jesus talks very frankly here about anger. Now, maybe if you're like me, the first question that comes to mind when you read this is uh, something like, 
wait a minute, didn't Jesus get angry? Haven't I read that somewhere in the Bible? In fact, in Mark chapter 3, there is a story about Jesus. Jesus one day had another encounter with some religious leaders. And these religious leaders uh, had kind of discovered this guy with a withered hand. And Jesus sees this guy with a withered hand and the religious leaders are watching to see what Jesus will do because they think it is wrong to heal someone on the Sabbath. And so they're wondering what Jesus will do. Jesus sees this man with the withered hand and he, he says to him, stand up. So he stands up in front of everybody. And Jesus asks the religious leaders a question there. With this man standing there, Jesus says, so, so which is right? Which is the right thing to do on the, the Sabbath? To, to do good or to do evil? To heal someone or to kill? And guess what? The religious leaders, they don't have an answer for that. They don't know what to do about that. Listen to what happens then in verse 5 of Mark 3. He looked around. This is Jesus. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. Jesus got angry. Now, the word for angry here is the idea of a temporary feeling. It's something that comes on him, and then it leaves him. You know what? Anger, anger is just an emotion. There is nothing wrong with the emotion of anger. Anger is an emotion that tells us that my will didn't get accomplished. That what I want isn't happening. It's just an emotion that we feel. The question is, how do we respond to that emotion? Jesus has the anger come on Him and then it, it leaves Him. There's one kind of response that we can have to anger. In fact, this is the response that I think probably we most often struggle with. One response to anger is a very self-centered, it's all about me kind of response. It's all about my pride and my ego. I didn't get what I want and so I, I'm angry. But that's not what, how Jesus responds here. Jesus' response is not about Himself. Jesus' response is that He sees something that is above Himself and He responds to you see, anger towards something that is dehumanizing or abusive towards people, that's okay. And that's the kind of anger that Jesus has here. Let me try to illustrate for us today. What kind of things then would we get angry about? It seems like I see more and more stories, even here locally, about human trafficking. Often young girls that are snatched away from their families, they are drugged and they are used as sex slaves. And you know what? Stories that dehumanize somebody like that, that ought to make us angry. I saw a story on the news this week about a, a young girl, a young child, who was living, I'm not sure with their parents or with other relatives, but they were living in deplorable conditions. Filthy house, bugs all over the place, human excrement. It was disgusting. And you know what? A child being forced to live in those kinds of environments, that ought to make me angry. There are some things that are greater than ourselves, that are an injustice towards other human beings, that dehumanize or abuse others, and those kinds of things, 
ought to cause us to be angry. So what does Jesus do with His anger? Because that's the question. Where do we let our anger take us? Where do we, where do we go with it? What do we do with it? How do we respond? Look at what Jesus says in verse 5 as it continues. He said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and the hand was completely restored. Jesus' anger results in an act of restoration and healing. Jesus' anger results in a deed done for others that made the world a better place. Does your anger, where does your anger take you? Does your anger result in an increase in peace around you? Does your anger result in the world getting better around you? Does it result in a good deed towards others? Or does your anger take you down a trail of devastation? Those are some questions that Dion Rayford probably should have been asking. This happened quite a few years ago, almost 20 years ago. He was a defensive end for the Kansas Jayhawks, big 285 guy, and I don't know why he was out at 2 in the morning, but he went to Taco Bell and uh, went through the drive-thru, ordered his food, went to the pickup, the drive-thru window, got his food, but when he looked in his bag, his chalupa was missing. He, he was in a rage. He tried literally to climb through the window of the Taco Bell drive-thru to get, I guess he was going to go in and fix it himself, but he was too big for the window and he got stuck in there and the window collapsed on him. When Dion was later rescued, he was also then arrested for his rage. You know, when you think about it, so many of the things, in fact, most of the things that we get angry about, they really don't matter, do they? I mean, the big spectrum of life, they really just don't matter. And yet we allow our anger about things that really aren't all that important to lead us down a trail of devastation. So Jesus goes on in Matthew chapter 5 and He talks some more about this anger and He helps us to understand some other things about how we need to respond to our anger. He goes on to say this beginning in verse 22, the second part of that. He says, again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. Now that word raka really is hard to, to translate because it, it was really more of almost a sound or a tone of voice that would have been used. He says, anyone and anyone who says to you, you fool, will be in the danger of the fire of hell. Now what's Jesus talking about? Well, well, first he says, you know, someone who says raka, which that that inclination, that tone of voice, really was uh, trying to communicate to somebody a contempt for their head or their intelligence. It would kind of like be for us like saying, yeah, you're stupid. And then Jesus says, and then there is the person who says, you, you fool. And the Greek word there is more, which really carries the idea of a contempt for someone's heart or character. And Jesus says to have contempt for someone's heart or character is like saying to that person that I am condemning you to hell. It's like today if we would say to someone, just go to hell. Well, what's Jesus' point? What's He getting at? Well, we'll think about it. 
when you feel the emotion of anger, where does anger most often first demonstrate itself? For a lot of us, the first place that anger shows itself is in our, our voice, our words. That's where it comes out. Imagine you're carrying a, a full cup of coffee. And as you're carrying that full cup of coffee, somebody bumps into you and jostles you. What happens? Yeah, somebody, usually some of the coffee comes spilling out over the lip of the cup, doesn't it? It's the same thing in life. When we're going through life and life is full and we get bumped or jostled and we feel that sense of anger, what happens? The words come spilling out of the lip of our mouth, don't they? And Jesus says, you need to be careful. You need to be careful that in your anger, you don't respond with angry words. Because those angry words, they bring an awful lot of pain, don't they? In fact, those angry words often can be so destructive. And Jesus says, be careful that your anger doesn't spill out of your mouth over, the, over your lips. Larry Calvin, in one of his books, he's a psychologist, he writes about a young 25-year-old woman who uh, came to visit him one day for counseling. He said that when uh, she walked in, she was about 5'5", five, 5'6", five, five, something like that, but weighed far less than 100 pounds. As they began the counseling process, he asked her to describe herself with some words, and the word that she landed on the most was the word fat. He said, here was this young woman that we thought probably needed intravenous liquids because she was so underweight who when she looked at herself and thought about herself, she saw herself as fat. So as they began to dig into her past, he discovered how that came to be. When she was just a young teenager, one day she had snuck out of the house to, to meet her boyfriend at the mall. And they had innocently spent the day at the mall, the afternoon, uh, eating there and then just walking around the mall holding hands. But when she got home, her brother kind of ratted her out and her dad exploded in anger. And during the explosion of his anger out of the, over the lips of his mouth came the words, I don't know why any boy would want to hang out with you anyway. You're nothing but fat. And for nearly ten years, those words spoken in that father's anger had hung in her conscience to the point that she could not get past seeing herself as fat. Our anger, if we're not careful, spills out of the lips of our mouth and it brings with it great devastation. Parents, in our anger we have to be careful that we don't speak damaging words to our children. Husbands and wives... We have to be careful that in our anger we don't speak damaging words to each other. And for all of us, as we interact with people every day, especially for those of us who are Christ followers, as we interact with people who are living far from God, our anger that spills out of our lips can drive people even farther away from relationship with God. James chapter 1, verse 26 says this, If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. 
Jesus goes a little further then, beginning in verse 23. He says, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your gift. As late as 1994, they were still finding bombs in Europe that had been dropped during World War II that had not yet detonated. In fact, in 1994, more than a dozen people were killed or injured by exploding bombs from World War II in France. People would just find them in different places. Officials there said that the longer those bombs sat there undetonated, the more dangerous they became because they became more and more stable. You know what? A lot of us are carrying around some bombs of anger because of past relational wars. And the longer we carry those bombs of anger around, the more dangerous they become to us. Jesus says here, go go take care of them. Go discharge them. Go get rid of them and do it right away. Jesus says, go reconcile those relationships. You see, one of the keys to overcoming anger in our lives is forgiveness. Angry people need to be more forgiving. I mean, just think about it. What causes anger to rise up in you? Is it the guy that pulls out in front of you in traffic? And do you want to explode in anger? The first response ought to be, I forgive him. It's not that big a deal. What is it that takes you down the path of anger? But why not replace that emotion with the emotion of forgiveness, which is more than an emotion? You know, here, here's, a, here's a question to ask yourself. Here's a question every angry man and woman ought to ask. Why am I, why do I continue to hold on to something that happened in the past that continues to cause me to feel angry? Why is it that I refuse to let go of things that happened in the past that are over, but still to this day continue to cause me to struggle with anger? I mean, when are you going to let go of it? Seriously. Here's a calendar. Pick a date. Go ahead, pick one. You can come get the calendar. Pick a date. When you're going to decide that finally I'm going to let go of it. Does that sound silly? Ridiculous? I'll tell you what's ridiculous is the fact that we continue to hold on to things that happened in the past and we let them control us in the present instead of dropping them, disarming them. And Jesus says, go right now and reconcile the relationship. Jesus says to these people, if you're there making your sacrifice, stop right in the middle of it if you need to. Go reconcile the relationship. I guess the modern day translation maybe of that would be like what we're doing here right now. If you're right there in the middle of worship and you remember that somebody that you've got a relationship that needs to be reconciled, go right now and reconcile it. And take care of it. I read this week a story by Tim Brown who is an author and a speaker. And a pastor. And he was writing about, uh, he said, one day I was uh, at, with my family at McDonald's and uh, we were there eating. 
And just as we were about halfway through our meal, this other family showed up and sat down right beside us. He said, I looked over and realized there was a guy that had done something that really hurt me several years earlier. And he said, as soon as he sat down, the anger within me began to rise up. He said, our family, we quickly finished our meal and got up to leave. But as we were getting up to leave, I heard this discussion happening at their table and realized they were talking about the fact that they didn't have, they realized they didn't have enough money to buy their lunch that day. And the kids were kind of whining, saying, oh, Dad, we're hungry. We want a happy meal. And the husband and wife were kind of arguing. And Tim said my first response was, that's great. That's justice. Thank you, God, that I got to be here to see that. And then he said immediately, he was reminded of some words from the Bible he had been reading earlier that said, do not repay evil with evil. And the concept was to repay evil with good. And he said, I knew in my heart what I needed to do. And so I took out my wallet. And with tears in my eyes, I said to the guy, here's some money. Lunch for your family's on us. He dropped it. And by that action, he took a step towards reconciling the relationship. How do we do that? Because that sounds pretty tough, doesn't it? How, How do I get to that point? Well, Jesus taught one day how we get to that point. It's by understanding what God has done for us. He told a very familiar story, we've talked about it many times around here, of the guy who owed a government leader a lot of money, a huge debt, more than he could ever repay. And the guy basically writes the debt off. And then this very guy who just had his debt written off goes out and finds a friend who owes him just a little bit of money and refuses to write off that debt and has him thrown in prison. And the point of Jesus' whole story there is, if we would really understand the magnitude of God's grace that He has showered on us, if we were really to understand the debt of grace and forgiveness that God has shown us, the debt of our sin that we owe God, if we really understood that, how could we not be willing to demonstrate grace and forgiveness towards other people? How can I, who have been forgiven so greatly by God, not be willing to forgive others? See, if we would all take some time every day to just reflect upon the magnitude of God's grace in our lives, maybe we'd be more willing to offer forgiveness towards others. See, grace is the doorway to forgiveness. And forgiveness is the doorway to overcoming anger in our lives. Well, Jesus goes on in those last couple of verses and He talks about taking your adversary to court and I don't have time to get into that today. In fact, maybe I'll blog about that this week and tell you how that relates to this story about anger. But here's the bottom line of what Jesus says. Jesus says, if you're going to be covered in the dust of my life, if your life is going to look exactly like I want your life to look like, then you've got to deal with anger. It's okay to get angry about the things that I would get angry about, about things that are greater than ourselves. But most of the stuff that you and I struggle with anger over is not those kinds of issues. We just get angry with our brother or our sister or the person down the street over things that really don't matter in life. And Jesus says, you've got to get over that if you want to live a life that looks like God. God, this is not easy. I know there are many times throughout the week that anger rises up in me and it is, it's just not pretty. God, I'm sure it's true for so many people who are gathered in this room today. God, would you help us 
Help us to be honest about our personal struggle with anger. Help us, God, to have a desire for our lives to look like Yours and to be covered in the dust of Jesus and to move anger out of our lives. And God, it starts by being willing to forgive. So God, give us an increased awareness of Your forgiveness of us and give us an increased desire to forgive others. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.